morning. I realize he's also Peter like me. So you can call me the second Peter. <laughs> good to be here this morning. So it's good to have joy in the house of the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So normally when I preach in Kenya, we talk to each other. I don't know about here. All right. He's talking. <laughs> and then I say something good or wonderful, people say amen. So I hope you can do that. Amen? Yeah, yeah I hear that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, in the short time that I have, um, I asked you know, Pastor Peter how long I should preach. And he said, you know, normally I preach for two hours. Uh, but he said, you can do one and a half, so. <laughs> so I'm here for a short time, about one and a half hours, just to bring you the word. Come from Africa in Kenya, and uh, did you in Africa, do you know, do you know, I don't know, most of you don't know, probably, that no African will go to hell. You're looking at me now. <laughs> Do you know why? You want to know why? Because they will all come late for judgment. <laughs> and the Americans keep time, so you can imagine what will happen. <laughs> They'll be early for judgment. I want to talk about recovery and the message is you shall recover all and I want to say that our God is a God of restoration he restores and many many times you know restore restoration or restore kind of two words reinstall is like bringing back what has been stolen what has been lost what has been wasted our God does that. And I want to talk about going through tragedy, pain, rejection, all the bad things that happen in this world. That many times we do not have an answer. Just two days ago we saw what was happening in Texas, shooting of innocent children in a school. There is terrorism in this world. There is pain, there are accidents, there are killings, there are murders, there are drugs. And many things happen in this world that we do not really, really have an answer why they do happen. We can answer so many other questions like where, how, and all that, or who. But many times we do not know why. And answering this question becomes a long life journey of trying to answer that question. And I was thinking, why do God allow such things to happen? One, I thought about three things. One, to purify us. Because God is so much concerned with our 
being pure, knowing him, and walking in purity. Just like the Bible talks about that our faith is like that precious gold, or more than the precious gold. It's, you know, you know the way gold goes through the fire and it's purified and all the other metals will, you know, melt away until we get that precious gold. Our faith is so precious. And many times, even when circumstances, situations, painful moments come, God is saying, well, through this, I will purify you. And we will come to see how. Number two, to build our faith. God is interested in us growing in our faith, that we are not children in our faith. And number three, to prepare us for eternity. We realize that we are only here for a short time. Well, some may live 70 years, some 99 years, some 50, some 20 years. It's all short. I don't think I've met recently or of late I've not met anybody who tells oh, I've been here for 150 years or 200 years. Nobody. Looking at your pictures, the photos you took, Five years ago, ten years ago, you realize you are growing older. Is that not true? Yeah. See everybody nodding their head. Some of us are growing old, others are growing older. <laughs> There's a story in the book of 1 Samuel 30. I'm not going to read. But David and the men went to war. And coming back in about three days... They found that in the place where they lived, called Ziklag. This place is called Fairhill. Am I right? Now, they came back to their Fairhill, called Ziklag, and found that the Amalekites had attacked. And what happened? They took away their wives, they took away their children, and burnt down their homes. And they took away their precious property. So if there was a car, if there was some, you know, nice, you know, gold or silver, their electronics, everything was taken away. And so David has come back and wondering, I thought we are coming back to a celebration. I thought we are coming back to rejoice that God has given us victory. And the Bible says they cried. And David wailed and cried until he could not cry anymore. And the people who were with him took stones. They were looking for stones. And they wanted to stone him to die. And they were saying, I mean, it's like they were looking. You know, sometimes when things happen, everybody looks for somebody to blame. Especially when tragedy comes. There's death like you know, there's shooting, there is this, there is an accident. Everybody, most people will be looking for somebody they can blame. Because there is that feeling like somebody did not do what they were supposed to do. So here, the easiest person was to blame on David. David, you are the leader. You, you are our leader. Why? Why did you allow this? What happened? What went wrong? And the Bible says David cried until he could not cry anymore. 
So what happened? He arose and he went to his closet and he prayed and he asked God, what must I do? Should I pursue these people, the enemies that took our wives and our children? What am I going to do? And God answered in prayer, in his prayer, and he said, Pursue, overtake them, and you will surely recover all. Three things. Pursue, overtake, and you will recover all. And David arose and he went and recovered everything that was stolen. It's a long story. You can go look at it. But when tragedy happens, like for me and my wife here, Faith, we just celebrated 18 years of marriage last Sunday. Not today. If it was here today, maybe there would be a big cake here, you know. <laughs> but we have gone through tragedy. Faith lost her husband in 1998. Some of you who are around, you remember there was an American embassy bombing in Nairobi. And that morning around 10 o'clock, the terrorists came and bombed the embassy and her husband worked there for many years and he died. And you cannot answer why. They were bringing up their two little children. The older one was only three years old. And the young one was about one year old. And you wonder, why would such a thing happen to a young family? Why did the children have to lose their dad when they are so tender and young? Three and one year old. This was in August. And in November, the same year, I lost my wife in a road accident. We are coming from church, driving home in the evening around 7 o'clock. And somebody hit our car. And where my wife was seated, she was badly injured, rushing her to hospital. She didn't make it. And we were expecting our first baby, eight months pregnant. And... Also, the baby did not make it. And you wonder why we are here, a young family, just started a family. We have a good relationship. We are coming from church, for heaven's sake. We are serving God. We are preachers of the gospel, still preaching that they had preached twice. And you wonder why would God allow this? Why? What is happening? And... Our lives were never the same again. We knew each other. We were serving together as young people, as youth. We had an evangelistic ministry. We were preaching in schools and camps and crusades. And uh, after about two years, the Lord brought us together. We got married. And God began to restore our lives. God gave us twins. A boy and a girl. They are now 15 years old. So God began to heal our lives out of this great tragedy, painful moments. So many, I was in a time and a season of about one year of depression and feeling like life does not make sense. I don't even know why I'm alive. It was painful. 
And I know there are people here who have gone through such moments. Or even right now you're going through those kind of moments. And you're wondering where is God? Why did God allow this? Some people will become bitter. Others will become better. Now, when you go through these kind of situations, like David, like me, like so many other people, like you know, those who have lost their children and we are praying for them, like those who have lost their loved ones, somebody sick in hospital, somebody who just received a message from the doctor, you are going through this, you have this sickness, or you have this, and they don't even know what to do with it. Number one, what do you do? You look at God's perspective. God's perspective is bigger than our perspective. God sees things in a different way than we do. In the book of John chapter 9, the Bible records of a story of a man that, you know, Jesus healed. He was blind. And Jesus healed him. And, and people came to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? And you know what Jesus said? Nobody. It's not the mother. It's not the father. It's not the uncle, it's not the auntie, it's not this man. But some things happen so that God can be glorified. So there are things that will happen. They are not good, they don't look good, they look ugly, they look bad. But at the end of the day, God will still be glorified. Oh, that's a good place to say amen. <laughs> and the church say amen. Amen. So look at God's bigger picture. Don't look at your small picture. That's why people get depressed. That's why people lose hope. That's why people commit suicide. Because they look at their small picture. And all they can see is hopelessness and pain and discouragement. And they look at, well, there's no hope. I'll never get out of this. I'll never get over this. Look at the bigger picture. Know that at the end, God will be glorified. Number two, understand that seasons change. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So in any season you are in, in anything that you are going through, it may seem like it's going to be here forever. But the good news is that every season will come to an end. Amen? Now, you're just coming, Americans, you know, you're coming from a very cold season. For me, yesterday was very cold. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I know and I hear, sometimes you are watching on TV or internet from Kenya and I see the snow, you know, three feet, four feet, five, and I'm wondering, is anybody alive? <laughs> <laughs> when I come here in spring, you're still there. <laughs> Why? It is cold. There is snow. And then comes summer. It is hot. Everybody removes their clothes. And... They are wearing their shorts and no more coats and heavy jackets. Yesterday I was wearing my winter jacket. But you see, seasons don't last forever. There is a time for everything and a season. And I don't have time to read that. There is a time to be born and a time to, to die. Some of you don't want to talk about death. It's a reality. There is a time to gather, time to scatter. 
There's a time to plant, there's a time to harvest. So life is full of different seasons. So if you're in a season you don't like, I came all the way from, America, uh, from Africa, okay, from Africa to say to you, your season is coming to an end. And sometimes when the season is almost over is when you feel like, oh, I don't think I'm, I'm can't, I can't take anymore. This is too much. No. It's like Elijah when he was, you know, he got depressed. He was in a bad season. A woman called Jezebel says, I want your head tomorrow. I'll kill you. And, and Elijah got depressed and he was in a bad season. And he goes to God and says, kill me. When now? I want to come home. God did not kill him. He did not allow him to die. What did he do? He told him, eat and drink. You still have some journey. You still have something to do. Do you know, as long as you are still alive, there is some work for you to do. Those who are dead, their work is over. As we were driving here this morning, we went through some, some graveyard, some cemetery, and I saw some people driving there, and I wondered, what are they going to do? And my sister said, well, I think there are people who go to talk to their loved ones, you know, in the grave, or talk to them, tell them this is what happened yesterday, or whatever. But, but you know, they cannot hear. I think you'd rather come and talk to God rather than going to talk to them. Because when this life is over, they, don't, they have no business with this world. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once, and after that, judgment. So, it's a season, it's over. Life is a, is a season. David was here, today he's not here, he's gone. Paul, Apostle Paul, Peter, John, you know, all those people who, you know, great people in the Bible, they were here, they are gone. It's a season, and it's coming to an end. So if you're in a season you don't like, it's going to change. Even if you're in a season you like, by the way, it's also going to change. <laughs> yeah, I know sometimes we're in a good season and we are wishing, I want spring to remain forever. But how many know spring does not remain forever? I want summer to remain forever, but it will not remain forever. After summer there is fall, and after fall there is winter, and after winter there is spring. So seasons come and change. Number three, stand still. Moses was told by God in Exodus 14 and verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Because when you, are, when you go through pain, one of the things that captures you is fear. But the Bible says, we did not receive the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love, the spirit of sound mind. So we have the spirit of God. Fear is a spirit. But God says, and in the Bible there are more than 365 that God says, fear not. And I want to say unto you, and everybody here who is fearful, and everybody who has gone through a situation, some, some things that happened to you and you have been afraid, God is saying unto you, fear not. Please help me talk to your neighbor, tell them, fear not. Oh, yes. You don't know what they have gone through. Some of you are afraid of talking to your neighbor. You don't like them? Okay. Fear not. <laughs> and then he says, stand still. It is a position of faith. Standing still. Now, you can imagine the enemies are following them. There is a red sea in front of them. They are going to be killed. 
And the people following them are not coming to say hello. They are coming to kill them. Hello? They are coming to destroy them. And here God says, number one, fear not. That's my prescription. Number two, stand still. And number three, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. So when you overcome fear and you stand still, you will see the salvation of our God. And the church say, yeah. amen. Oh, that doesn't sound like it. You know, the more you say amen, the more I shorten my message. <laughs> so you, you better say a big amen. <laughs> For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see them no more. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And I came to say to somebody here today, the Lord will fight for you. Oh, there is no better message than that. God said to Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, that I will fight. This battle is not for you. I will fight for you. The battle is the Lord's. Number four, never lose hope. Never lose hope. Jesus goes to, in the book of John 11, Jesus goes to the home of Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. He began by being, he was sick, and then he became very sick, and then he died, and then they buried him. He shows up four days later after the funeral, and everybody is looking at Jesus. Where were you? We sent for you. You didn't come when he was sick. Jesus, you didn't even come to the you know, to mourn with us. Jesus, you didn't even come to the funeral. Why are you coming four days after we buried him? And they were full of fear. They were crying. And some were saying, oh, this man who opened the eyes of the blind man, if he came, he would have healed him. But you know, Jesus and, and Martha comes to Jesus and he says, oh, Jesus, master, if you are here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, even now, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. What am I saying? It is never too late for God. Even now. Hallelujah. Are you in a situation where you feel like, oh, it's too late. Oh, the report I got is too late. Nothing can be done. No, there is nothing like that in the kingdom of God. God has, always has a way. God always has an answer. And the church say, amen. amen. Number five. Restoration is on the way. Understand that when you go through tragedy, pain, things you do not understand, restoration is on the way. The Bible says that uh, uh, God gives beauty for ashes. That is in Isaiah uh, 61 and verse 1 to 4. You can go read that. He gives beauty for ashes. When you, when you look at ashes, there's no beauty. There's nothing you can get from the ashes. But God is able to bring beauty from ashes. And number six, don't become bitter. I'm reminded of Joseph in the book of Genesis 50 and verse 20. When Joseph was, you know, can you imagine you're sold by your brothers? You are thrown into the pit and, uh, and then you are in Potiphar's house as a slave. And, uh, and then they put you in prison, implicated with a rape. And you are there. And, and then... All this because you are sold. Your brothers hated you. This man would have become very bitter. But you know what happened? At the end, what did he say? In verse 20 of Genesis 50. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. 
in order to bring it about as it is to this day, to save many people alive. Now Joseph is saying, brothers, you did all that you did, but I'm not bitter. I am free. I know that God was still at work. Even when I went through, when you put me in the pit, God had a plan. When you put me in Potiphar's house, God still had a plan. When you put me in prison, I was still trusted in God. I have not become bitter. Are you becoming bitter or are you becoming better? Now, Joseph is saying, now that I'm in the Paris, and you remember, you realize all of them are peace, you know? Pit. Huh? Pit? No, Peter. No, no there's no Peter. Pit. Huh? Potiphar. Prison. And then Paris. You know, many of us want to start with Paris. It doesn't work out like that. It is Pit, Potiphar, rejection, pain, prison, and then Paris. So your promotion does not just come. It comes because you have been faithful, you are not bitter, and you allow God to fight for you. And the church say, Amen. Amen. Allow God to fight for you. Do not become, do not allow any root of bitterness. And number seven, remember all things work together for your good. Romans 8, 28. When I went through this, when I lost my wife, my family, my hope was lost, my dreams were lost as a young man. And Isaiah 54, God gave me a word, and he said, verse 2, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your curtains wide, do not hold back, strengthen your cause, strengthen your sticks, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. God gave me that word in 1998, November, when I lost my family. And four things that came to me. One, enlarge your vision. When you see like things are not going, they're not the way I sh they should go. They are not working for me. It's tragedy. There is pain, rejection, and all that. What do you do? Don't destroy your vision. Don't shrink. Don't don't look at things and think now I cannot dream anymore because of what I'm going through. Enlarge your vision. And from this, God has used me and asked to help so many people. God has blessed our vision. Faith I just shared about. The ministry that you know God gave us. We have the church ministry. We are planting churches. There are hundreds and hundreds of people that we are leading. They are leaders we are bringing up. They are young people who are looking up to us. Why? We decided this is not going to destroy our vision. We are going to enlarge our vision as much as we have gone through what we have gone through. The Happy Life Children's Home that started with three children. The two boys that are adopted here in Maryland, you saw their picture there in the video. They, 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 we got them when they were only two days old, thrown away in a plastic bag. Today they are 16 years old, going 17, and they are big boys. They look like they want to play the American football. <laughs> I don't know why you call it football and you use hands. I don't, I've never understood. <laughs> because for us, football, you use your feet. You know, but, but you see, God has a plan for these wonderful children. And, and, and more than 500 children that have come through our hands. Churches we are planting. 
We have the school. We have the hospital. God is blessing. Why? Because we have enlarged our vision. And I came here all the way from Africa to say to somebody here today, enlarge your vision. There is so much that God wants you to accomplish. Caleb was 85 years old. And he's talking to Joshua and saying, give me that mountain. Give me my inheritance. I am not old. My, I still have my vision. I still have my, I can see where I'm going. Have you lost your vision? Have you lost your dream? God is saying unto you, arise. You have something you can do. Most of you are not 85. You are not even half that age. And you have lost your dream. You know somebody said, there are so many people who die at 25 only to be buried at 75. Because from 25 to 75, they did nothing with what God wanted them to do. I love one man called Miles Monroe. He died a few years back and he said, the most wealthy place is the cemetery, the graveside. And, and why? Because in the cemetery, there are dreams that were never accomplished. There are books there that were never written, music that was never sung, messages were never preached. There are people there with ministries and, and, and companies and institutions that were never started. But you know what? When you go to the grave, it is too late. That's why we talk of late so and so. It is too late. But before you go there, there is a dream, there is a vision. Enlarge your vision and the church say amen. amen. Number two, you will influence the lives of other people. That's what God said to me. You will influence others. You will touch so many other lives. And number three, do not be afraid. And number four, you will forget what has happened. Today I don't have the pain of what happened. I can talk about it. There are times for the first one or two years I could not talk about it. I was hurting. I was wounded. But God healed me. And the Bible says, you know, like in, in, the, in, in reference to Jesus, by his choice, by his words, we were healed. Do you know what God is doing? He's using our words to heal other people. God wants to use your words, the painful words that you have heard, to heal other people. Don't remain wounded the rest of your life. Go share, talk to somebody. What you went through five years ago, somebody else is going through the same today. You went through pain, depression, sickness, you know, marriage problems, whatever. Don't allow, you know, you go to the grave with the, with the pain and, and bitterness. No. And, and, and looking at Job, you are no Job. Amen? You are no Job. He, he went through, I would say, hell. He went through a tough time. He lost everything. The children are gone. The farms, the, the wheat, all the animals, everything is gone. But listen to the words of Job in Job 1.20. At this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and, and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this Job did not Seen by charging God with the wrongdoing. Now, number one, Job decided, I am rising up. The Bible says he arose. Many of us, when things go wrong, when we are in painful moments, what happens? We remain down there. We are not able to rise above our challenges, our pain, our rejection, death, and, and you know, all those things, bereavement. But Job arose, and we need to arise. May somebody here today arise. I'm saying may somebody here today arise in the name of Jesus. 
and rise above your problem. Rise above your challenge, your pain, your rejection, marriage issues and divorce and separation and whatever you went through as a child. You are mistreated, you are rejected. Whatever it is, rise above that. And number two, the Bible says he changed his clothes, his garment. Because he was wearing the clothes of mourning and crying and bitterness. He changed his clothes. Hallelujah. They were dirty clothes. There are people who are still wearing those clothes they were wearing 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 weeks ago. And they are dirty clothes. The Lord is saying this morning to you, change those clothes. Put on a new garment. Hallelujah. Put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of rejoicing. Put on the garment of thanksgiving. Put on the garment of celebration. Oh, I wish we can have celebration here today. And the church say, Amen. Amen. Remove the old garment. If I, if I came back here and, and you're still wearing the same clothes you're wearing today, I would know something is very wrong with you. Not with me, with you. <laughs> yeah, you, you keep changing clothes because, you know, the clothes get dirty. That's why we come to the word of God. That's why we come to prayer. That's why we come to praise. That's why we worship God. As we worship, God is, we are changing our clothes. We are changing our garments. We are saying we need renewal. We need restoration. Number three, the Bible says he shaved. Amen. He shaved. <laughs> Hallelujah. I shaved this morning. Amen. <laughs> Does your neighbor look like they, were, they had a haircut recently or something? You know, but you see, shaving is, is you, you change your countenance. You change the way you look. You don't want to look shaggy and, and not, you know, your hair is not kept. He, he shaved to change his countenance. He, he came out wearing a smile. I have lost my seven children, but I can still smile. I have lost my everything, but I can still smile. I, even if I've gone through this, I can still, my countenance is changing. When David lost his child, before then he was crying and mourning and wearing sacks and all that. After the child died, he rose, put on nice clothes, took a shower, and then he went out and ate and celebrated. Now, and people are wondering, what are you trying to show us here? Are you happy that your child has died? No. He said, well, before then maybe the Lord would have healed him. But now that he's gone, where he has gone, I cannot get him. He cannot come back this way. We are the ones who will go. So David decided, I will continue with the life. Can you decide today, I will continue with my dream, my vision. I will continue with the life. Whoever left, they left. Whatever you lost, some of you are mourning your money. Oh, I lost that money. You know, you can, losses in, comes in many dimensions. You lost maybe your money. You lost your house. You lost your mom. You lost this. You lost your parent. You lost but, but all losses. But you know what? You can shave and change your countenance. And number th four, the Bible says he, he, he went into worship. And number five, he did not sin against God. And that is faith. I want to close by saying, as such was done, I believe in the year 2000, with the, the Millennium Development Goals. And they, you know, through uh, the international NGOs and governments. And they came up with a number of resolutions. What, what they were trying to accomplish. One, I'll just go through them in a minute. One is to eradicate extreme poverty and hunger. 
Because hunger is bad. If you have never been hungry, count yourself blessed. There are so many people in this world who are hungry. Hungry. I remember when we went to school, in primary school, we did not have lunch for many, many years. We had one meal per day. You're given a lunch break of one hour, no food, come back after one hour, continue learning. It's, it's, it's not something you don't want to go through. Number two, to achieve universal primary education. That's what we are trying to do. Number three, promote gender equality. Number four, reduce child mortality. So many children are dying. Number five, improve maternal health. That is women giving birth. There are so many women dying every day giving birth. Number six, combat killer diseases like malaria, HIV, and others. And number seven, to ensure environmental stability. And number eight, develop global partnership. And as I close, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another. And the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on the, his right hand, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you thirsty, and we gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and took you in, or naked and clothed you? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and came to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, as much, inasmuch as you did it to one of these least of the kingdom, then you did it unto me. My friends, whatever we can do, let's do it for the glory of God. I'll never forget one time we took clothes, shoes to the village where I came from, where I grew up. Poor people. Some of them have never worn a pair of shoes. And one time, as we brought them in, we wanted to divide them and share them in an organized manner. But when they saw us coming, it was like everybody was trying to grab something. And I saw this woman and a man, each had a, a shoe. One took the left one and the other one the right one. And they were looking at each other, wondering, how do we come up with a deal here? I have one shoe and then you, have my, you have the other shoe. I need the two and I need the two. And I said, God, if you help me, I'll do the best I can to clothe the hungry. I went hungry to school. I'll do the best I can to feed the hungry. Just recently, we started a feeding program. We invited about 30 people to feed them. Over 100 showed up. People are hungry. Just the other day in the news in Kenya, there was this young girl they featured, about 12 years old. And the only reason she was featured in the newspapers 
is because she was on the streets and she was irresponsible over her seven siblings. And what she was eating was chicken intestines. And the intestines were rotten. They had worms. And I said, God, somebody in this world has to do something. I remember when we began Happy Life, some children died in my car trying to take them to hospital at night. We didn't have a nurse. We did not have anybody to call. So every time, every night, they would call me. Pastor, come. And would run to hospital. I remember queuing. There's a hospital called Kenyatta Hospital in Nairobi. We would queue there for three, five hours. The whole night until morning for a child to be treated. Because they don't have enough doctors. They don't have enough people. And that's why I believe God is blessing us. And now we have a hospital. We can take care of the children. My friend. Whatever you can do today, don't wait for tomorrow. Serve the Lord. We always say, nobody has everything, but everybody has something. If one of us would obey what God is telling us to do, I don't believe anybody in this world should be going to bed hungry. I don't believe anybody in this world should be without a pair of shoes. If one of us would be willing to share and be a blessing. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for your favor. Bless this church. Bless all the people that have heard this message. Lead them in the way that God you want to be, to make a difference in the world that we live in. We love you and we praise you. Bless us in the ministry we are doing in Kenya. And bless this church and this ministry. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. The Lord bless you. We'll be out there if you need more information and even how you can partner with our ministry. And the Lord bless you. Thank you all. God bless you.